Welcome to the Minnesota Hospice Show, brought to you by Minnesota Hospice. My name is Ken Hagland, president of Minnesota Hospice and one of your hosts for today's program. I am joined by three amazing colleagues that I have had the privilege and honor of working with for several years. They are Barbara Larson, RN, Director of Clinical Services, Reverend Debbie Meckley, Chaplain and Spiritual Care Advisor, and Heidi Simon, who is a licensed generalist social worker with a master's degree in social work. She is our medical social worker. Thank you for being here and participating in this important and relevant program. We are excited for the opportunity today to begin having a weekly conversation about end-of-life healthcare. We believe hospice is one of the most important specialties of the healthcare continuum, but also one of the most misunderstood and unfamiliar healthcare options available to people as they approach end of life. Minnesota Hospice is a medical practice specializing in guiding patients and families at the end of life. We were founded by local physicians to improve the model of hospice and to create the gold standard in end-of-life care in Minnesota. We believe in the golden rule of serving others as we would like to be served. This principle drives our commitment to be an advocate for our patients and to provide comprehensive, personalized care to both our patients and their families. Our office is located in beautiful Lakeville, Minnesota, and our agency will be celebrating its 10-year anniversary in a few months. We currently provide outpatient hospice services in the Twin Cities South Metro area and Southern Minnesota communities. One mission at Minnesota Hospice is to increase the awareness of the benefits of hospice by providing information and education for our communities to empower patients and families to make informed decisions regarding their end-of-life healthcare options. In addition, we are dedicated to providing comfort and compassion through extraordinary care, hope and inspiration through encouragement and innovative services. Today, we will be discussing two topics. The first topic will be on the history of hospice, when it began, how it evolved, and where it is now. The second topic is titled, The New Face of Hope, where we discuss how to approach the end-of-life experience and explore all the ways in which hospice can benefit the patient and their family. So first, let's start with the history of hospice, presented by Barbara Larson. Thank you, Ken. I'm very excited to have this opportunity to provide our listeners with some what I think are some interesting facts about the roots of hospice, as well as shedding some light on care for the sick and dying through the centuries. First, I'd like to share some history on some ancient practices for caring for the sick and dying. Believe it or not, from as far back as prehistoric times, there is evidence that cultures had some type of system in place to care for their sick and dying. In 1940, the Lascaux Caves, uh, which are in southwest France, were accidentally discovered by three young boys and their dog while they were out exploring. Of course, paleontologists were eager to get in and investigate, and when they did, they found in these caves over 600 excellently detailed wall paintings. The paleontologists believed that these paintings date back to as early as 17,000 to 14,000 BC. Many paleontologists have interpreted some of these wall paintings then as depictions of stories about caring for the dying. So even the culture during the time of the caveman put special emphasis on caring for the sick and dying. Um, then, going forward, Sir E. A. Wallace Budge wrote a book called The Egyptian Book of the Dead, but he offered insight into practices that he discovered of early Egyptian practices from around the time of 1240 B.C., again, for caring for the dying. 
Many different ethnic and religious cultures throughout history have played a role in our modern concepts of care for the sick and dying. Cultural traditions that include Abrahamic, Hebrew, Christian, Islam, and Tibetan traditions have played significant roles in shaping the modern care model for hospice. In 500 to 1000 AD, Celtic traditions were introduced, with many of those traditions now incorporated into the foundation of our present-day hospices. So, after giving a little ancient history, now let's jump ahead in time to the 21st century. The term hospice comes from a word that stems from the same linguistic root as hospitality. It is a concept of caring that's derived from medieval times, and it symbolizes a place where travelers, pilgrims, and the sick, wounded, dying, where they could find rest and peace and comfort. Hospice was referred to as a place of shelter and rest for weary or ill travelers on a long journey. The name hospice was first applied to specialized care for dying patients by physician Dame Cecily Saunders, who began her work with the terminally ill in 1948 and who eventually went on to create the first modern hospice called St. Christopher's Hospice, and that was in a residential suburb of London in 1967. Saunders introduced the United States to the idea of specialized care for the dying in 1963 when Florence Wald, who was then the Dean of Yale School of Nursing, invited Dame Saunders to lecture at the school. Saunders lectured to Yale medical students, nurses, social workers, and chaplains about the concept of holistic hospice care. Her lectures launched a chain of events in the United States, which eventually resulted in the development of hospice care in America. In 1974, Florence Wald, along with two pediatricians and a chaplain, founded Connecticut Hospice in Branford, Connecticut. That was the first hospice started in the United States in 1974. 1974 was also an important year because that's the year that Senator Frank Church, who was a Democrat from Idaho, and Senator Frank E. Moss, who was a Democrat from Utah, introduced the very first hospice legislation that would provide federal funds for hospice programs. However, the legislation was not enacted. What followed were 12 years of task force reports done by the U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare and other government and private agencies, and also demonstration programs at 26 hospices across the country that were initiated by the Healthcare Financing Administration. Finally, in 1986, the Medicare hospice benefit was made permanent by Congress. In 1993, Hospice was included as a nationally guaranteed benefit under President Clinton's health care reform proposal. And what's so significant about that is that this now made hospice an accepted part of the health care continuum. And that was in 1993. I'd like to share a quote right now from world-renowned American cultural anthropologist Margaret Mead. I'm sure many of us are familiar with her, um, her work and her writings. She was quite an author back in the 60s and 70s. But Margaret Mead said this, When a person is born, we rejoice. When they are married, we celebrate. When they die, we pretend nothing happened. And I think this statement is profoundly wise and insightful as to the modern culture of what we believe today about end-of-life care and caring for our sick and dying. Um, We're going to talk a little bit more about this, too, when we come back in our next session and try and unpack that just a little bit more about what is hospice, what what the benefit provides, and 
just um, hoping that our listeners will gain some deeper insight into the end-of-life care, um, not just for patients, but for families. Um, And I know Ken and Debbie and Heidi, who are with me, um, are very anxious to be able to share um, our time with you. We have some special programs coming up, too, um, that are focusing on the holidays and for our families who are are dealing with loved ones who may be sick or facing their last holiday with their family. And um, we we really feel that um, we can offer some um, some useful and insightful um, mm. information and education into that for you too. So, Well, thank you very much, Barbara. Um, I, I think uh, giving us the, the background on, on the legacy of hospice is very, is very interesting. It helps to put into context where we are now uh, at the end of um, this first segment. Um, you are, um, yeah, next we'll be talking, next break, um, after the break, we'll be talking with uh, Debbie Meckley and Heidi Simon. And uh, right now, we will uh, take a break, and uh, we'll be right back after this um, for our second topic. You're listening to the Minnesota Hospice Show, presented by Minnesota Hospice. So you'll be lonely once I was seven years old. Hi, this is Norman Goldman from my favorite Minneapolis furniture store, Habitation Furnishing and Design. Let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy your home? Does your furniture make you comfortable? Are you proud to have guests over? With the long winter months shutting us all in and the holidays fast approaching, I encourage you to visit Habitation St. Louis Park Showroom to see what potential awaits. Let Habitation help you craft a space that makes your home the place to be this holiday season. Check them out at HabitationDesign.com. Tell them Norman Goldman sent you. Is it time to downsize, but don't know where to start? Give the house geeks with Bricks Real Estate a call. We're experienced in making this process as easy as possible. Whether it is help with pricing your home, assistance in finding movers, or any of the other professionals you might need to get your home sold. We're here for you. Take the worry away by giving us a call today at 612-207-5388. That's 612-207-5388 or online anytime at housegeeks.com. While shopping for a fireplace insert at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, I was amazed at all the choices. Not just gas, electric, or wood burning, but also built-in or freestanding, and options in every style from antique to modern. The staff really listened to us, explained the options, and helped us choose a fireplace we absolutely love. Now it warms our hearts and our home every winter. Thank you, Woodland Stoves, for a great addition. Hi, I'm Peter Solak, putting in a word for the EPA BurnWise campaign. It has important information about clean burn- fireplaces. This is an important part of our mission at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. We know that the fireplace has to work. Work with your life, work with your living space, and also be environmentally smart. Come see us. Learn to burn wise. We have over 35 working units on display at the corner of Riverside and East Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. Visit our store in person or online at woodlandstoves.com. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. Imagine a world where no one ever went hungry. Where you didn't have to choose between clean air and clean water. And where bitter, drunken comedians didn't have to work in small, dark clubs to tell you how severely screwed up everything is. If that kind of world scares you the way it scares us, then we can help. We're StandUpRecords.com. We offer the finest in CDs, DVDs, and merchandise from the best stand-up comedians on Earth. So please give generously. And remember, together we can't save the world. Yeah, no, we can't. So you may as well just buy something funny. That's StandUpRecords.com. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. 
It was a big, big world, but we thought we were bigger. Pushing each other to the limits, we were learning quicker. By 11, smoking herb and drinking burning liquor. Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice Show, brought to you by Minnesota Hospice. My name is Ken Hagland, and I am one of the hosts for the show today. In the last segment, we discussed the history of hospice presented by Barbara Larson and learned about the incredible legacy hospice has throughout human history. Next up on our topics is our discussion on the new face of hope presented by Debbie Meckley and Heidi Simon. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks. You know, as um, Barbara spoke to the history that hospice has embraced and endured, I'm reminded of the incredible opportunity that we have in this day and in the time of life and events to more than enhance the voice of hospice as a possibility of the new face of hope. You know, we've arrived in a time where caring for our fellow human beings is not only critical, it's expected. Today, we're here to discuss several topics, so let's begin by talking about end of life. Now, I know that it's not an easy conversation, so here's a possibility. If you or someone that you loved were told that you had a life-limiting illness, the doctor tells you it's terminal, nothing more can be done, what would you want your end-of-life experience to look like? Think about that. I'm inviting you to take a moment to envision that experience. What would matter the most to you? What would you want your who would you who would you want at your side as you move through the end of life journey? You know, I believe that most, if not all of us, would probably want similar things such as quality time with loved ones and friends, the opportunity to fulfill some last wishes, possibly something on our bucket list, and of course to have the symptoms of our disease managed so that life could be lived to the fullest, right to the end. Now, in order for that to be a reality for any of us, friends, we must begin to open the doors to these discussions. In fact, this is already taking place in convenings that have been established in Northfield and other surrounding communities as well. You might remember that CARE 11 did an impressive, um, impactful piece last spring, which has opened the door to folks talking about honoring their own choices. So we're out here in the communities every day providing not only end-of-life care, but also education to our facility partners, whether they be assisted living facilities, skilled nursing, or families who are choosing to be at home. We collaborate with the facility partners to inform our community members of important messages regarding their health care choices and services that are available, not to mention the gift that hospice brings. Um, our communities are beginning to seek out this knowledge and these conversations, and that's a really good thing. Right, Heidi? Oh, absolutely, Deb. Thank you. And, you know, you spoke of having choices in your health care, and I'd also like to point out benefits because hospice is your Medicare benefit. It's part of the uh, Medicare Part A, and it's a Medicare benefit that you and I and all of our listeners have already paid for through all the years of hard work. It's just, it's there for you, waiting for you to be able to use it. And you know, time and time again, when I'm talking with someone who might be considering hospice or, or just talking with people, and you know, they'll say, what do, you, what do you do for a living? And I start to talk about hospice. And more often than not, people who are not aware that this end-of-life specialized care is available to them, and better yet, that they've already paid for it. So when we're having these conversations, I can just see their eyes light up when they realize, wow. At a most important time of my life, I can receive this individualized care that's tailored to my needs and desires and the needs of my loved ones. And they realize that with that hospice benefit, they have a choice about how they want to live while they know that they are dying. So as we continue and, and you know, they get to hear about all the services that come with it, they're amazed. And I just see this sense of relief that just washes over them. And, you know, it's, it's undoubtedly the best option at end of life. And being aware of this benefit leads to the next best step, which is choosing a hospice. And, you know, I hear that a lot, too. Like, what? I can, I can choose? And the fact is, yes, that every single one of us has the right to choose who we want by our side and with our family providing that end-of-life care. So, 
you know, this is why education around end-of-life care and hospice care is so very important because that awareness empowers our decision-making, allowing us to design what it is that matters at end-of-life. Um, and so when utilizing your hospice benefit, it's really important to know what do I look for when I'm choosing a hospice. So, for example, taking the opportunity to ask for references from people that you know or people in the field, such as nurses and caregivers, social workers, and then interview those hospices and ask what are the services and specialized programs offered to you and your family that go beyond those that are required by Medicare because there, there is a difference. There's what Medicare requires, but then there's what's provided on top of that. And then, um, you know, are there any limits put on you in regards to the treatment that you're currently receiving? And, of course, really important is how will they respond to a need after hours? That's right, you know, and there's another critical question is how quickly can the intake or admission staff get to that person who needs hospice care? And we can provide that within two to four hours of that call. And sometimes this might begin as a consultation, but in our experience, it always uh, ends up or becomes an admission into hospice when the family discovers what end-of-life care truly means. And it's very important, too, to the patient and the family care that they have good grief support. Not only the bereavement support that follows the family when the loved one passes, but creating a support system and holding a space for the grief you feel before the loss. Grief support really does vary greatly, and we believe here at Minnesota Hospice that it takes precedence. You know, we are um, committed to reaching out to our communities. And as I mentioned earlier, our next best step in receiving exceptional care is knowing what's available to us and being empowered to utilize our hospice benefit. You know, we seek medical specialists to guide us through treatment for illness because we want that best care. And this is the best way to think of hospice, a team of specialists with experience and time-tested expertise devoted to compassionate, professional end-of-life care. And, you know, all too often, we look to hospice in the last days or couple of weeks of life. We're here to empower each and every one of our listeners and their loved ones to know that hospice should and can be started much, much earlier. Um, you know, we understand that this conversation can be difficult. There is no denying that when we are faced with the loss of someone we love, we have a, a flood of emotions and thoughts. You know, suddenly we're running through images in our minds of our lives together. And many times, this can be what stops us from moving forward. A fear of, what do I do next? Or, how do I start this conversation? And there is this belief that if we bring it up, we're giving up on that hope for that person. Um, so I would encourage you to take this opportunity to have a courageous conversation because the truth is your loved one is already in the experience. They can feel a shift in their physical body. They have a sense that something is changing. You know, many times when I'm, when I'm talking with a family, we realize that their loved one has been opening a door to a conversation and they didn't even realize it. Thank you, Heidi and, and Debbie. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice Show, brought to you by Minnesota Hospice. We will be right back after the break to continue our discussion on the new face of hope. Daddy told me, go get yourself a wife or you will be lonely. Once I was 11 years old. Here's why companies, clubs, and organizations just like yours book Freddie Bell for keynote presentations. I've been able to find my way through trying circumstances, and with each seemingly devastating situation, I've come back stronger and better. Why? Because of the techniques that embody courage, enthusiasm, and staying focused on the goal, that dream and that desire. What's your dream? What's holding you back? If you've been struggling to get to the top, if you're searching for unprecedented breakthroughs, if you're looking for the light when the way seems dark, book Freddie Bell today. The way to a successful life is using proven techniques that move you, that help you, and sustain you. It's time to get fired up. It's time to move up and to show up. Freddie provides the keys in your keynote address. Call Freddie Bell now. 888-639-9738. That's 888-639-9738. 
1-800-227-1738 or visit freddybell.com right now to book your engagement. Hi, this is Norman Goldman from my favorite Minneapolis furniture store, Habitation Furnishing and Design. Let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy your home? Does your furniture make you comfortable? Are you proud to have guests over? With the long winter months shutting us all in and the holidays fast approaching, I encourage you to visit Habitation St. Louis Park Showroom to see what potential awaits. Let Habitation help you craft a space that makes your home the place to be this holiday season. Check them out at HabitationDesign.com. Tell them Norman Goldman sent you. Hi, this is Mike Pavantonio from Ring of Fire. Ring of Fire is a direct, smart, and I got to promise you, a fearless progressive talk show. Join me, Mike Pavantonio, and my co-host Bobby Kennedy Jr. and Sam Cedar as we take on the large corporate conglomerates and that radical right-wing media that dominate America's airwaves. Ring of Fire, Saturdays from 3 to 6 and Sundays from 6 to 9 p.m. on AM 950. It is the progressive voice of Minnesota. This holiday season, think outside the everyday chocolate box. Make a splash with your friends, family, and clients with elegantly packaged artisan chocolates from Chocolat Celeste. Come taste the intoxicating flavor of the finest European chocolate, handcrafted with love by founder and chocolatier Mary Leonard. Mary and her staff will help you understand the kind of chocolate that everyone wants and dreams about. Watch while the recipient opens the box. It's like a beautiful piece of holiday artwork. Then watch them taste the sweet and complex flavors for Angelico, gingerbread, and Thai spice. Make your way to Chocolat Celeste. Open weekdays, 10 to 5.30, and Saturday, 10 to 5 p.m. Can't make it to Chocolat Celeste? Browse our website, chocolatceleste.com. View the holiday and corporate gift guides. Need help? Call Mary at 651-644-3823. Chocolat Celeste, the way chocolate is meant to be. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for partly sunny skies today with a high near 21. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 18. Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 34. And Monday, mostly cloudy with a high around 31. When buying gifts this holiday season, shop local with one of the AM950 advertisers. It's a great way to not only support AM950, but also local businesses and shops. Some of those businesses include Habitation Furnishing and Design, Seward Co-op, Stages Theater, and the Museum of Russian Art. Find a full list of advertisers at am950radio.com. Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice Show brought to you by Minnesota Hospice. This is Ken Hagland, and we will continue our conversation on the topic of the new face of hope with Debbie Meckley and Heidi Simon. Um, great, great conversation last segment. It'd be uh, uh, looking forward to hearing more about what you guys have to say on this next segment. Well, thank you, Ken. So before we um, headed into that break, we were we were discussing that these conversations, you know, acknowledging that they they are difficult. However, um, that moving into them in creating kind of this courageous conversation um, is is very important because as we said your loved one is already in this experience there's just this this shift and this inner knowing that they in their physical body are experiencing something and um, you know as we talk to families and you know they start to think about conversations that they've been already you know having or their loved one has has made a statement to them and then they think to themselves oh my gosh, in looking back, they have been trying to tell me. Um, and, you know, for example, maybe one of our loved ones would say, you know, I just, I don't know if I'm going to be here for the holidays or things like, you know, I, I just want to go home. Well, that is their way of opening a door for the next conversation and having someone acknowledge acknowledge us when we say that you know, and, and responding with, what if you could just tell me more about that? Or what does that mean to you? That response creates the opportunity for them to be seen and to be heard. Because if we are in the midst of this and we think that this is difficult, imagine being the person who knows that they are dying 
and no one in their circle, no one around them is talking about it. And that alone can be, um, that's a very lonely experience to be inside of that and no one to share it with. Um, I want to I wanna share a quote from a book called The Denial of Death, and it was written by Ernest Becker. And he, he makes a statement that I think is just very poignant, and he says that death is psychologically as important as birth. Shrinking away from it is both unhealthy and abnormal because it robs the second half of life of its meaning and its purpose. So, you know, that's really, that's been our philosophy and um, the way in which that we have provided that support and, and encouragement um, to families and to patients is to just encourage people to move toward that conversation rather than pushing it away because this is where possibility and hope can thrive. You know, and it's, it's also so important to ask questions, to get answers, to be informed so that you can create a place where you can be comfortable and be able to trust the answers that you're getting. And we, we as a team believe in this so much uh, at Minnesota Hospice that we offer consults. Whether you choose us as your hospice care provider or not, we think that the consultation is so important because that conversation is the next best step to receiving the best care and for finding that support. That's right. You know, and, and all those things that you're talking about, Heidi, are in and of themselves services. Mm -hmm. They're the experience that we bring to the table that can help families open up those conversations. Thanks for talking about that. Um, but, you know, another truth is that there are so many myths out there that actually get in the way of people accessing that hospice benefit. And one of those myths is the cost. There is no cost, and you touched on that. It's a benefit. There's no cost for that care. It's a prepaid benefit that we're entitled to. Um, again, we're here to dispel some of those myths and just to give the right information because you don't know what you don't know. Uh, another myth is that hospice care is only for, can for cancer patients. It's only for people in the last weeks or days of life, that it's a place that you have to go to to get hospice care, and we know that that simply is not true, right? So we also spoke earlier about envisioning what the end of your life experience would look like for you. What would matter to you most? What would those last requests be? Um, how would you ask people to honor your choices? Um, so this is why we encourage hospice sooner than later. So I guess as we've had this conversation, we, um, we know what hospice is. It's end-of-life care. Does that feel easier, rolling off the tongue? It's end-of-life care. It's that last phase. It's that last life cycle. But what does that really mean for you? Well, for you, it means that you would have a nurse come to visit you as much as you need. That includes a nurse who is on call 24-7. You would also have a certified nursing assistant to help you with personal cares. You and your family would have the support of a social worker as needed, as well as additional spiritual care support from our hospice uh, team chaplain. So whether you are in assisted living, skilled nursing facility, or in your home, like we talked about before, we would be your hospice team. We would come to you. Wherever you call home, that's where we show up for you. Um, and so this dedicated team offers you so many choices so that you can look back and decide what you want that to look like for you. It's designed by you, and it's designed for you and for your family. That's right, Debbie. Um, and so I appreciate that you continue to talk about choices because another um, part of what we do and that we feel very passionate about is we offer assistance in advanced care planning yeah. and you know both you and I are, are certified through honoring choices program and you know there there isn't really a better fit than thinking about advanced care planning and end of life they they truly go hand in hand because when we think about it there are so many milestones in our life that we plan for whether it's graduations births and marriages we even plan for our retirement however <laughs> even though we know that each and every one of us will be at end of life i mean this is just inevitable we all will experience end of life and death and as we age we plan for what will happen to our estate and our possessions we even plan you know who's going to take care of our pets if we're not here 
But too often, we do not plan for the most significant final event in our life. And this is one that leaves an impact on our loved ones. And oftentimes, it's a generational impact. So we look at advanced care planning as a way to also design what we want our end of care to look like by, you know, identifying that we want to use our hospice benefit first and foremost because yeah. we're offering that education forward to our caregivers and to our community. And then choosing a provider that we have actually been able to interview. So we've been able to assess, well, what are the services and is this team a fit for me and my family? Because ultimately this truly is a gift to our loved ones who will be faced with not only their own grief, but making these difficult decisions about what is right for us and what an opportunity to be empowered and then to empower our caregivers. So we are, um, we really are part of the statewide movement that highlights how important advanced care planning is for each and every one of us. And I want to also share um, how we are able to be that gold standard of, in end of life care in addition to that advanced care and all the services we provide, but specifically that our medical director is registered with the state of Minnesota to certify our patients for the use of medicinal cannabis if that's necessary or if you or your loved one desire that as an option. Um, we have, our team has created a specialized dementia program that offers an array of benefits to our patients. It, it's, it's integrated and it includes essential oils, therapeutic massage, healing touch, music therapy, and much, much more. What's really wonderful for our patients and our caregivers and facility partners is that we are local. So we have the capability to admit our patients and provide services to them and their families 24 hours a day. And that is seven days a week, including weekends and holidays. And also, we are advocates for our veterans. We honor our veterans in our communities, and we are partnered with the We Honor Veterans Program. You know, um, it's a lot of information, isn't it? Who would have thought that hospice, end of life, had so much information? It had, you know, so much um, gumption to it. So uh, this is where we are. We're right here in this conversation. Um, of course, we're advocating for hospice. And, you know, the another myth that comes to mind that I think comes to everyone's mind is that when you make a decision to enter into hospice care, you're giving up hope. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, we really do see hospice care, end-of-life care, education as putting a new face on that hope and not taking that away. So the journey of end of life, it is eminent. It is going to happen to all of us, and we all know that. So why wouldn't we bring on a team of experienced caregivers who are experienced truly in end of life care, not just for the patient, but for the entire family, all of those that are involved. And we know that this journey can be overwhelming. However, with additional support for the patient and the family, the overwhelm and the indecision, even the grief, the grief itself becomes the best experience that it can be. So we truly believe that there is this new face of hope. There is a new discussion. There are new conversations that are being had, new convenings. People are showing up, asking questions, because it's pretty intriguing to me, and I think to everyone, that, um, that this D word that we avoid our entire life, dying, we don't want to talk about it, right? And our culture says... Let's just not talk about that until it's imminent. Um, but that we spend our entire life avoiding the D word and and then the rest of that time in between trying to find enlightenment, finding that relationship with our higher self, um, getting to that place only to find that um, uh, at the end of life that enlightenment actually is that point when we um, make our transition and leave. And it's kind of an uh, irony, I guess, at some, at some point. But um, so I'm uh, just really excited about opening up conversation. That's really what we're here to do. And um, this is uh, the opportunity for everybody to join in. I agree with you, Deb. And, you know, when I think about um, so much of what we do, it's truly that this is all about living that dying and death are two very different things. Dying is an experience of living, and death is a moment 
It's an event. And so I think when we are able to reach out to people and open those doors for conversation, just that peace of mind and that ability to let go of some of those maybe old experiences or old stories that keep us keep us trapped and being able to move forward, we get to release that and then share this experience that we're all just beautifully designed to have anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And when we're able to do that, it changes the relationship that the family had with that dying experience because they have to move on in life, in living with what that brought to them. And uh, I love that we have a piece of that with people and we can create that for them. Truly an honor. Yeah. Fascinating discussion. I appreciate that, you guys. Um, when we come back, let's uh, talk more about the death and dying. Those are two distinctly different things. Um, you are currently listening to the Minnesota Hospice Show, brought to you by Minnesota Hospice. We will be right back after the break. Here's why companies, clubs, and organizations just like yours book Freddie Bell for keynote presentations. I've been able to find my way through trying circumstances, and with each seemingly devastating situation, I've come back stronger and better. Why? Because of the techniques that embody courage, enthusiasm, and staying focused on the goal, that dream and that desire. What's your dream? What's holding you back? If you've been struggling to get to the top, if you're searching for unprecedented breakthroughs, if you're looking for the light when the way seems dark, book Freddie Bell today. The way to a successful life is using proven techniques that move you, that help you, and sustain you. It's time to get fired up. It's time to move up and to show up. Freddie provides the keys in your keynote address. Call Freddie Bell now. 888-639-9738. That's 888-639-9738. Or visit FreddieBell.com right now to book your engagement. Heirloom Kitchen and Bar is your every occasion restaurant, providing uncommonly good farmhouse cuisine in a neighborhood setting. Heirloom's current menu highlights include cider glazed pork jowl with crab apple puree, smoked potato and Brussels sprouts, and cauliflower cheddar soup with chow chow and milkweed capers. And why not order something off of Heirloom's sustainable organic wine list? Heirloom Kitchen and Bar is located off Creighton and Marshall Avenue and online at heirloomstpaul.com. Heirloom St. Paul. Food matters. Hey, it's Mike McEntee, and I have a show on AM 950 Monday through Friday from 4 to 5 o'clock. It's a free-form hour of news, interviews, and your phone calls. We don't do 10-second sound bites and yelling and screaming about issues. That may make for great entertainment, but it really doesn't help to solve the real problems we face. We try to get the whole story and have an intelligent discussion. We also occasionally have a little fun. Listen in from 4 to 5 o'clock on AM 950 Radio. Seasteads, the family-owned flooring business that's been serving the Twin Cities for 100 years, has plenty of carpet and sheet vinyl stock to choose from and can help you with your wood and laminate needs, too. Seasteads will come to your home, provide a free estimate, and professionally install their quality, brand-name flooring products. For your next flooring project, call the trusted, experienced experts at Seasteads, 651-224-5474, located across from the new Saints Stadium and online at seasteadscarpet.com. Hi, Matt McNeil from AM950. I bought my newest Sienna from Rudy Luther Toyota in July, and I'm so in love with it. It's comfortable if I'm running the kids to activities or on a longer road trip. It's safe with backup cameras, blind spot protection, and the safety features Toyotas are known for. And it's fun with the bells and whistles, EcoDrive, sunroof, and so much more. I love my new Rudy Luther Toyota Sienna. Stop into Rudy Luther and test drive one yourself at 394 and 169, five miles west of downtown Minneapolis. Traveled around the world and we're still roaming Soon we'll be 30 years old Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice Show, brought to you by Minnesota Hospice. This is Ken Hagland, and we will continue our conversation on wrapping up the new face of hope. Uh, right before the break, uh, Debbie and Heidi were discussing the difference and they alluded to the difference between dying and death. And uh, 
we talked about that a little bit in the previous segment, but I want to make sure we really explore that because that is very confusing to people when when we talk about hospice and end-of-life care. Um, so, Barb, would you have a few thoughts on that that you yeah, have to share? Yeah, I actually do, Ken. Thank you. Um, yeah, those words death and dying are used so interchangeably in our culture. Um, when we say dying, we actually mean death. When we say death, we're talking about dying. But they are so very different. They mean something so different. And as Heidi had said, death is just the event. That's just the flat line on the EKG machine. You know, it's just an event that takes a few seconds. But dying is the process that we go through to get there. And if we think about it, really, dying is living. We're still living while we're dying. We have a terminal illness that may be causing our body uh, to, to fail, but we're still alive. We're still living. So dying is really actually still a part of that. So um, what I think is interesting, and I'm just thinking right now that, you know, I'd like to ask our listeners, what comes to your mind when you think of hospice care? And just kind of pause for a minute, really. Just just think about that. What comes to your mind when you think of hospice? And I'd like to share, and as a team, I think we can all have some input here, but I'd like to share some of the some of the answers that I've heard. These are some of the very typical answers that I hear back. Um, when I think of hospice, I, I hear people say, hospice gives you lots of morphine, and then that makes you die faster. That I've, We've heard that from, from families and patients who were resistant to hospice because in their mind, hospice meant we would give them morphine and that would make them die. Um, another thing, too, is just back to that death and dying concept. Um, they think of death or dying as being the last few days of your life, um, in which we know that that... You know, dying is a process. Um, another thing, too, they'll say, um, my loved one isn't eligible because they have dementia. So, again, these myths about hospice that Debbie and Heidi were talking about earlier, thinking that hospice is just for a certain diagnosis, a certain kind of illness, um, and not understanding it's, it's for anything. It's for an end-of-life process. Um, and then, you know, some of them are just ones like, I don't want to leave my home. Folks that still think that hospice is a place that you have to go to rather than having hospice in your home. Um, and then, you know, the thing about, well, my loved one isn't dying. They're still eating. So how can they be dying because they're still eating? And again, that's where as a hospice agency and as an organization, Minnesota Hospice so advocates for the education and 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 that really that's why we are so excited to do this show um, for the community because there are so many myths and so many myths misperceptions of what people think about hospice so Heidi and I mean Deb do you have anything to add to that you know folks have said to you when you've talked about hospice with them well you know Barb you make a very good point um, because what you are sharing is really what we what we hear are the stories of their experience. Because, yes, there's that experience of the illness, but then there's also the grief experience that I, um, you know, I really have the honor of people being willing to share that with me. Because it's possible that they've had this experience in the past. And, you know, as you pointed out in the history of hospice, it's an evolving field. It's an evolving practice. And so... You know, I've I've been in conversation with people that experienced it maybe 20 years ago, and are still holding on to some aspect of that experience that has impacted or complicated their grief. And they're coming to me and they're saying, "Well, I just don't know about this. I don't know if this is what um, what is best because of." And then and then they share this this experience that they've had. And so there again is where that conversation is so critical because if we're not communicating about what our experiences have been, then how could we ever know that there's a possibility that in this time, and, and really what we're all about, is that, that hospice has changed, that we are, we are impacting our communities in a very different way, and um, that you know as we're moving forward with that, we're also 
affecting the generations behind us because we're healing some of those conversations and stories and allowing for people, again, to really utilize this benefit that they are very deserving of. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's it. That's so powerful that we have to change the story. And it's no one's fault. I mean, there's no judgment. We are a culture that has been afraid to talk about death and dying. So therefore, we don't know how to grieve. We think it's an event that we need to get over with. We need to get through and everybody should do it the same. So I, I think that is um, that is exactly it. We have to change the story and that's what we're here to do. Thank you guys for that. We've got a couple minutes left. And I want us to talk just briefly about the next show and the topic that we have lined up here called Grief and the Holidays, and then a subtopic, the grief you feel before the loss, which I think is confusing to a lot of people. Um, We've got about a minute or so here to just briefly touch on that as an intro for next week. Okay. Yeah. um, You know, the grief you feel before the loss um, is it's um, really something that oftentimes doesn't get addressed. We're coming up on holidays, lots of them. And for many people who have terminal illnesses, um, this is the last holiday. And so how do we move through that? Do we avoid the conversation? Do we leave the person lonely in their own dying process because we can't have conversations about our grief. So we're going to talk about the grief you feel before the loss in our first show, and then we'll have another one coming up, um, and that will be um, uh, really for folks who have already lost their loved one, and how are they dealing with that? What are the strategies? How can you feel comfortable um, individualizing that for yourself? Because you should be able to do that, and you should be supported in that. Right. And, you know, I think one of the most important things you said in that is that um, that there's a gentleness to this and there's not a judgment about this. And so this conversation that we get to have about grief and about experiencing moving through, um, you know, this illness or diagnosis, whatever that looks like. And then, again, what does living look like when we know our loved one is dying and giving them a voice to what that is, is just so important. All right. Thank you, guys. That concludes our show for today. I would like to thank my colleagues, Barbara Larson, RN Director of Clinical Services, Reverend Debbie Meckley, Chaplain and Spiritual Care Advisor, and Heidi Simon, Medical Social Worker. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Please feel free to contact us with any questions or comments regarding today's topics, or let us know of topics you'd like us to discuss in the future. You can reach out to us at our website, minnesotahospice.com Thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you next week.